In episode 321 of Arsenal Gotham Podcast, we are proud and delighted to welcome Arsenal stat guru number one, Scott Willis, also known at, as Crab Stats, to the show. We talk about stats, 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 and we also talk about Scott, how Scott became an Arsenal supporter. We talk about his favorite players throughout the years in the current squad. What uh, made him so interested in uh, statistics and numbers in football. Uh, and we have this segment, uh, News of the Week, Veckans uh, Nyheter in Swedish. And my beautiful jingle is back. Uh, yeah, everything with a touch of statistic, as you understand. Uh, and then we answer to uh, list questions from your listeners and we talk about, you know, uh, XG, Arsene Wenger, uh, uh, Declan Rice, agents, and so forth. Um, yes, one more thing before I let you go on with the episode. If you want to uh, be, know more about Arsenal Gothenburg, uh, you can visit our webpage, arsenalgoteborg.se, and our social medias, which is at ArsenalGBG on Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, we have a Facebook group uh, called Ars- Arsenal Göteborg Forum. Uh, go in there, like, whatever you do, retweet, like, share, uh, everything. Uh, and yeah, all right, hope you enjoy the show. This is me, Philip Tolf, with Scott Willis. Here we go. Yes, hello, 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 and welcome to Arsenal Gothenburg podcast. A podcast for Arsenal fans, to Arsenal fans, by Arsenal fans, where emotions runs the show. Well, that is not entirely true this week and episode, because this week and episode, stats and numbers are going to run the show. Uh, and that is because I'm. we have uh, the Arsenal stats guru number one, Scott Willis, with us. You know him also as... Crab stats. Um, Scott, welcome to the show. And how are you? I am doing good. I'm very, very, very excited to be here. Looking forward to this. I didn't fuck the interrupt. No, you <laughs> did great. It was wonderful. Nailed you know what? It. I always wonder that same thing. Um, I, I, I'm never great at the introductions, yeah. but I am horrible at actually ending a podcast. Um, I actually just recorded one uh, on Sunday with Paul that'll be coming out soon. And I think we ended that podcast three times, but then we got right back into the the waffle and doing the the regular things that we do. So I, I can never nail the landing of getting out of a podcast. I'm exactly the same. You know, when my girlfriend <laughs> is at home and I'm re- I'm recording, she's like, "You have said goodbye like three times now. When? Why don't you just end it? I, you know, it's you, you, some other things that I feel like I need to say." Um, Speaking about your podcast with uh, with Paul, do you want to tell us about that, Scott, uh, the stat guy yeah, in the civilian? So, yeah, 
Yeah, it's a it's it's not necessarily for everybody. It's a, a very fun um, kind of one where it's a loosely um, kind of <laughs> stats related. Uh, or Paul and I, uh, Paul pausing in my pants that you might have uh, heard of him before. Um, we get together, you know, mostly weekly and kind of talk about uh, whatever is interesting to us. Usually um, more of a, a stats based thing, um, but it can definitely go off the rails and into different directions and really kind of hit all the different uh, things that kind of pop into either of our heads. Um, and there's some weird things that pop into both of our heads. And I think it ends up being a, a pretty fun, if a unique podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it. I highly recommend it. You can find it on Arsenal Vision uh, po- podcast uh, Patreon feed, right? Yes, yeah? that's correct. Yep. And I highly recommend it. And speaking of that, stat guy and a civilian, I'm gonna be a bit of a bit inspired of that uh, now because I'm gonna tell you a story about my day, not just okay. you know. Um, like you know when you and Paul you start off in one direction and like five hours not five hours five minutes later you'll be like what what the ju- fuck just happened yeah how, uh, how did you get here <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i love that i love that uh didn't i listen to this podcast to you know get educated about stats no 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 it's it's some roman god i'm listening about but okay go um all right here's the thing i came home from work uh and the thing is i grow my own chili yeah mm-hmm uh, I came home, look at the plant, and I, it looked kind of sad, you know. Uh, so I thought, oh yeah, I'm just give it some water. And then when I came to it, can you imagine? It was like a drizzillion of, uh, do you know, like uh, fleas, uh, lysis on it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, do you know what helps against f- uh, lysis on on plants? No. What, what do you need to put on those? Soap, soap water. Okay. Uh, so I like run around in my apartment looking for soap. Uh, I f- found a big what do you what do you call it? A big um, um, not a big flask, but a big like you know where you put gas in, like a big. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm losing the the word too, but yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about, like a yeah. container. It's yeah, it's exactly a, a bit yeah. a big fucker with, with soap, like. <laughs> <laughs> in the closet, you know, furthest in. I was like, where's my soap? You know, uh, but I found it, um, put it in uh, a little uh, bottle, you know, so I can spray it on the plant. And, you know, it was a big, you know, um, container. And this spray bottle is really, really tiny. <laughs> so you can imagine, I was like, I need to get this soap in, in the little bottle. Ended up with soap all over the floor. Not a good wow. start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, hey, well, I mean, at least your floor is going to be clean, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the floor. Exactly. So, a... yeah, yeah. So that was going to be my <laughs> end, my end point. <laughs> that was going to be my end point. You know, soap all over the floor, and I was like, I, I need to deal with that later because my mission now is, you know, kill all the fleas and bugs. Uh, put it in the little bottle, sprayed it, you know, on the, on the chili. Phew. All right. Next mission: clean the the floor. So. Um, I don't know. Uh, I got a really clean floor now, and uh, hopefully, a shield plant without any any fleas. And um, yes, yeah, that was my day. How was your day? <laughs> oh well, well, my day is just starting, so it's uh, the early morning here for me. So I'm uh, still just kind of catching up on the the news and what's going on. All right. Um, yeah, really kind of to do anything, but it, it looks like it's going to be a, a beautiful day. A little bit on the hot side, but overall a, a pretty nice day. And yeah, it'll be it'll looking good. Okay, great. Uh, I was uh, the thing is, you live in uh, America, the U.S. Yes. Yeah? 
Uh, and speaking of, you know, wake up and, you know, catching up with stuff, uh, I always wondered about that because, like, when uh, some things like move in Arsenal world and some news break and so, uh, when you wake up, it, it will be already out for, like, four, six hours or so, right? Like, do you know what I mean? You wake up. Oh, yeah, so... Six hours ago. Uh, yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah. I was say, yeah, I'm eight hours behind mm. London time, so... Uh, when things break in the morning, um, sometimes uh, that would be like before I go to bed. I yeah. might be able uh. to to kind of see something, mm-hmm. um, but I usually go to bed fairly early. So um, it's yeah, usually if it comes out in the the afternoon, it'll come out right as I'm waking up. Um, so I, I usually spend my my first hour of the day catching up on all the things that have happened while I was sleeping, uh, you know, okay. catching up on the news, reading the the new articles that have come out, and doing all those fun stuff. All uh, right, all right, right. So no major problem. No, no, and uh, I mean, I think people got a, a little bit of a, a taste of uh, what kind of the the American fans go through on a regular basis, yeah. um, especially with you know the the I think there was the MLS kickoff that was the one that was uh, was it like a three a.m. kickoff for London, real real early in the yes. morning. Um, yes. Thankfully, I don't have too many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the earliest ones are typically the the Saturday lunchtime games. Those are the ones that are 4.30 a.m. kickoffs for me, and those are tough. How do you do yeah, then? Do you, I, like, skip, go to bed, and, uh, like, stay up all night, or uh, put a clock really early? Yeah, it's it's a, an early alarm clock. I'm mm. too old now to to try to do the stay up all night thing. Um, I know that there's uh, younger people might be able to, to do that, but um, I'm, I'm too old to, to try to stay up all night and then actually function the next day <laughs> so we sound sound about the same um yeah time stops for no one and those young people they don't know what they have right that's exactly right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. all right um moving on and i thought we're moving on uh and talk more about you basically scott um to you know get to know you as an arsenal supporter me get to know you and our listeners get to know you as an arsenal supporter and maybe later on we can talk about a little bit about your uh stats interest but first question to you how and when and why did you became an arsenal supporter so that's a an interesting one so it, it kind of uh came in a couple different waves so when i was in college um, I, you know, my, my friends and I, during lunchtime, we'd go to uh, a bar pub, uh, you know, kind of restaurant thing, uh, for lunch and it was called the, the streets of London. So it was kind of a, a cool kind of English style pub. And, you know, especially during the, the midweek, there was, you know, the champions league matches mm-hmm. on. And so we'd watch, um, some champions league. We didn't really have like teams that we supported, but, you know, uh, during that time, so this was the, the mid two thousands, um, Arsenal were a, a fixture in the the champions league so they were a team that i i watched quite often and you know got to know them and i thought oh that's kind of a, a cool name you know i, I kind of liked the way they played so i kind of uh, rooted for them mm-hmm. but in college i was not one that liked to wake up uh really early mm. so i i didn't uh you know uh, dedicate myself to watching uh the premier league quite yet and then uh when my kids were born um, I've always been a morning person, so I'd wake up early and, you know, take the shift with uh, the kids mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of keep them awake and let my wife try to get um, a few extra hours of sleep. That's and nice. So when you, That's nice. Yeah, when yeah. you wake up, there's nothing on TV uh, at, you know, five o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning in the U.S. So 
that's when I kind of uh, switched to that. So I started watching a little bit more of the Premier League, and I used to uh, write for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, they're a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a blog with a, a bunch of other kind of friends that I've, I'd met along the way, um, and they were actually Liverpool supporters. Mm. And they used to give uh, Arsene Wenger just so much crap um, about it, and you know, he used to kind of talk about all that. And I almost became a Liverpool supporter with them, but then just kind of uh, out of spite, I was like, no, like I, yeah. I kind of want to like, you know, be contrarian and go against these people um, and be able to, to do that. So they kind of uh, helped push me to that. So the, the combination of seeing Arsenal in the Champions League and remembering, oh, the, this team is fun. Uh, they were kind of a little bit of a, an underdog. Hmm. Um, I wanted to support a team that was in London because it's just a, a lot easier if you're going to ever come to or go to England from the U.S. Uh, going to London makes the most sense as a place to, to go visit. True. So I was like, that kind of made sense. I, I really liked the way that, that Arsenal played. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I became an Arsenal fan. So I really started like watching like week in, week out in 2011-12 was kind of like that first season. Um, and even then, it was still a little bit more tough to to watch the matches in the U.S. And it wasn't until NBC took the the rights to uh, you know broadcast all yeah, the games. Yeah. Um, then thirteen fourteen, where it became really easy, and every match was shown. And it was a uh, yeah, just it's never looked back since then. So that's that's really how I came to support Arsenal. All right, B- because it feels like it for me, looking from the outside, that. You know, the Premier League really has exploded in the US. Basically, mm-hmm. like everyone has, not not everyone, but you know what I mean. Like, it's really, really popular now. And basically, everyone kind of supports the team uh, at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's become uh, very, very popular. Um, you know, I know you, you see uh, all the pubs, actually, or a lot of the pubs in, you know, major cities um, will we'll get up early and or wake up and, and be able to do it. Um, and it's just really interesting to to see the the growth of you know the sport here. Um, and yeah, even uh, the the local MLS teams or you know I actually used to have a, a USL team, which is like mm-hmm. a, a second division here in Reno. But the unfortunately our team uh, didn't survive uh, oh. after COVID. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to to see the overall growth of the the game here. Yeah, I just see it right now uh, as we speak. Basically, when Arsenal are in a, the pre-season tour in the US, and you see all the block parties and the people in the pubs and arenas, you know, it's packed. It's really, really crowded. Yeah, it was crazy. The eighty-two thousand people at MetLife Stadium to, yeah. to watch that match. One of the yeah, the huge, huge crowds. D- did you see that tweet? Speaking of that, from the Premier League uh, Twitter account, uh, when it says, "What did it say?" Like. Oh, over 80,000 people saw Bruno Fernandes score his first goal as an Arsenal... Uh, no, not Arsenal. Manchester United captain, something like it. Did you see that? I didn't see that All one right. in particular. Uh, because right. I, I yeah. saw that, but in my head, I read it like, oh, more than 80,000 people saw Bruno Fernandes being a cunt. Hmm, that's good. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, He's got to be like up there like on the, the most dislikable people. Yes, and uh, he, just, he just has that face that you kind of just like. I dislike him. Yeah, um, he seems to like complain a little too often. I don't know. It, it, I'm sure if he's on my team, I'd probably you know really like him. Yeah. But there's just certain players on teams that really draw that out of you. It's absolutely, and it f- feels like Manchester United are like getting getting that f- feel from the whole team now. You know with. Um, what what's that uh, center half they have in? You know the short one, uh, Frodo. 
Uh, oh, uh, the Sandra Martinez. <laughs> yes, yes, th yes, thank you very much. Uh, he uh, also has a really punchable face, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, and then he also like was doing like a dirty tackle in preseason, yes! real late, real yeah. high. My God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So really, like, oh yeah, yeah, loads of them bastards. Um, but we're not here to talk about Manchester United. We're here to talk about you. So next question: uh, Who are your <laughs> favorite player throughout the years? Who you support? As a supporter. Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, kind of coming in from you know uh, really starting at eleven, twelve as like kind of my first like real season. Mm -hmm. um, I, I became attached to, to Santi Cruzola oh. um, early. And I think yeah. that he's just a, a player that I think everybody loves. But the player that I think really, really uh, found his way into my heart early was, was Aaron Ramsey. Mm. And I, I'd probably say that he's been my favorite player. Yeah, I think even still now, like, I, I don't think I'd really put another player around him. Absolutely frustrating at times um, yeah. where like he just uh, could abandon midfield. But <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> but just the, some of the things uh, watching him play, being able to do that. Um, I just, I really, really like to, to see Aaron Ramsey play. Yeah. Speaking, uh, yeah. speaking about Frodo and Aaron Ramsey, you know, when you said abandon the midfield, I thought of that meme, you know, with, with Bilbo, you know, when he runs yeah. and I'm going on an adventure. If that kind of yeah, feels like right, yeah. Rams here sometimes, uh, but those yeah, were. You remember some of the the Mikel Arteta being left on an island, right? With yeah. uh, Aaron yeah. Ramsey just uh, <laughs> deciding to go become a, a second forward in yeah. the box. And Arteta was like, "All right, all right, steady, steady now, steady now." Uh, good times. Uh, Ramsey, did you? What are like your favorite stat with him? Do you have a, a stat with him like you really attached with or, or something? Not necessarily the the favorite stat. Um, I mean, I just uh, I love you know I guess a, a goal scoring midfielder. Mm, um, I guess right. I, did, I didn't know that I loved the goal scoring midfielder, but yeah, I think that's uh, one of the things that that really drew me to him. Um, his you know being able to do the the late third man run into the box. I think that's when he was always best. Um, yeah. He when he became too much of a center forward starting in the box, um, he became frustrating. But when he started from deep and arrived late, um, I thought there was a few people better at that than him. Yeah, he was really, really good at it. Um, or, all right, favorite player in the current squad then? Um, I, I think it might be it's either uh, Martinelli or Odegaard um, as my my current favorites um, in there. Um, I, I also really like uh, Zinchenko. Um, mm, I like yeah. you know doing those kinds of things. But it, it's really hard to like kind of look at the current squad and like I think everybody is really, really likable in the team it's a, a really nice like change from you know you kind of think back when we were eighth place eighth place yes and yes. it kind of felt like the the team didn't have a or it was a little short on the likable players mm -hmm. but right now it's like you can go basically from top to bottom and like think that yeah i really like all of the players here yeah. i don't think there's really any of them that i, I dislike or, or want to see leave or do any of those kinds of things yeah, and that's exactly it. Like I used to say in this podcast, like I love all my children equal as much. Uh, that's basically the players, you know. He's my favorite, and he's my favorite. Oh wait, no, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. So I know exactly what you mean, and that's what you want uh, with the squad, right? Exactly, and they're all young and exciting, and like it feels like you can uh, the sky's the limit for all of them. Mm -hmm. Like projecting forward, like it's just yeah, it's a great time to be an Arsenal supporter. No doubt about that. Uh, so this. Next question that I usually ask our guest is like, uh, what kind of supporter are you? What are you most into in football and Arsenal? Are you like a tactic person, uh, like the um, 
psychology? Do you like that? Blah, 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 blah. But I don't need to ask you because everyone knows, even me <laughs> and you, that, you know, stats and numbers are, you f are your thing. So what got you so into statistics and, and numbers? Um, I think this, again, kind of comes from uh, the American sports perspective. Uh, yeah. um, that's just a part of the game here, and it's kind of always been um, more just um, built into it. So, um, you know, now um, there's a, a FB ref. Mm. Um, that's a, a great website for uh, all things football stats. But that same company that publishes that has had those same verticals for all of the American sports. Um, I think the original one is baseball reference, and that one basically goes back to probably the late 90s, early 2000s, and especially with baseball. Baseball is a sport that everything is measured, and it has been measured going back to, you know, basically the inception of the sport. And that's something that, you know, just growing up with it and being built around it, I've always just uh, watched sports in that way. Um, and then my background, I, you know, uh, went to school uh, for economics, so I'm very, you know, uh, comfortable looking at things through statistical methods and doing like uh, regressions and all of those kinds of things. And so when I first started watching, you know, the, the sport, I really wanted to see more of that. And there really wasn't a lot of those resources out there available. So I started kind of uh, collecting my own, being able to do it. And I think that's really kind of where it all started and just uh, kept growing from there. Yeah, yeah, because you have this, uh, as I said in the intro, uh, Crab Stats, your website, where you like mm -hmm. collect statistics and do your graphs and, uh, and radars and everything. Uh, can you tell us how that uh, started, how you started that? Yeah, um, it, it was really kind of a, so it's a definitely standing on the shoulders of previous people that have done that so uh, the person who really kind of created radars as a you know a, a visualization mm. is uh, uh ted knutson um, from stats bomb mm. um i really kind of got into you know thinking these are really cool and i think one of my favorite things to do is like when you see something cool that somebody else has done is uh take that inspiration and kind of do your own twist on it so um, you know, a lot of the visualizations have been done by other people that I've, you know, uh, tried to recreate it and it helps me, you know, with my, uh, skills to, to try to recreate things and be able to do it. Um, and just try to get my own, uh, twist on the different ways of looking at the data. Um, I think I've gotten better over the years at creating different things and, um, trying to understand, um, what it is that actually makes sense when you're trying to, to look at players, especially yeah. through a statistical uh, lens of what you you want to be able to kind of see and how you're able to communicate the the different um, information about that because I think one of the things that kind of can get lost is the different distributions. Yeah. So like you could say somebody is average, um, but that is uh, can be kind of lost in the the skew of like how uh, the different statistics are are you yeah. know uh, distributed between you know what's a good player and what's a bad player or what's an average like where does that actually kind of land in there and so. Um, it's really, I think, interesting uh, to do all those kinds of uh, you know, tweaks and fun things to do. Do you have an example of that, of, of an Arsenal player, like when, uh, an Arsenal player who was average, but when you look at the numbers, you know, you can see that, oh my God, he's actually really, really good, or or vice versa? Um, so I think that there's, uh, I think Asaka can actually kind of be like that sometimes. Like when you look at uh, the radar, uh. he kind of just looks okay. But there's certain things that, you know, you start looking at, you know, the percentile ranks 
um, or kind of a, the, the different deeper uh, like goal probability added, which is trying to look at how much a, a player kind of uh, through his actions contributes to the team's chances of scoring to be able to kind of uncover some of the things that, you know, are, might get missed um, along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of my, my things that I've been doing a little bit more recently, and I'm yeah, excited about that. All right, all right. This is really interesting for me to, uh, to listen, to hear about, because I'm not an, a stats person. I'm more like, a, you know, psychology and soft factors, uh, like <laughs> Elliot used to say. But this is really interesting. So I take this moment to, like, try to learn and educate myself. So uh, keep it going. Keep it going, Scott. I, I, I take notes all of the time. No, me too. I've got yeah, huge notebooks, and um, anytime I sit down to to watch a game, I got my notebook with me, um, noting down things that that happen. Um, I, I think one of the things that's always interesting is you know, um, people think uh, stats people don't watch the game, or oh, you only yeah. watch it through the spreadsheet. Um, but which is always kind of a, a weird thing, because I know my wife would love it um, a lot more if I only watched uh, <laughs> things through the spreadsheet after the fact instead of spending, you know, uh, four hours on the couch on Saturdays and Sundays yeah. uh, watching all the games and, and seeing all those kinds of things. Because I was going to ask you about that. Uh, how do you, like, do during a game? Like, you need to take a, a shitload of notes, basically. Can you, like... Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it depends on uh, what I'm doing. So if I'm at like a pub, or you know, when I was at the the actual uh, Emirates for the game, yeah. I, I definitely just watched it as a fan and mm, did yeah. not take any notes. I just uh, lived in the moment, mm-hmm. um, and I like to do that. But then um, I'll usually come back uh, the, the next day and uh, kind of watch it more from an analytical perspective of uh, taking notes or doing those kinds of things. Oh, like uh, this is a, an interesting you know, piece of thing and write, write down the, the time of the game and yeah. maybe come back and look at it later. Um, um, and that's typically how I'll watch it, uh, the Arsenal matches, because uh, oftentimes um, I'll, I'll write a, an instant reaction basically right after the match or uh-huh. we'll do a, a podcast right after the match. So needing to be able to, to have those things um, to be able to talk about them um, really helps to to make it so you don't sound yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, an of idiot course, of when course. you're talking yeah. about it. So you got to be able to, yeah. Um, especially if people are going to listen to it uh, not right after the match or they've had more time to digest things. So you need to also be on that same level beforehand. So um, watching games a, a little bit more uh, detached at times, um, you know, trying to think more of a, uh, you know, a cold, hard person, which, you know, it's it's still fun, I think, for me to be able to to do that. Um, but I do try to kind of do a little bit of both, depending yeah. on the the context and situation. I understand. Uh, what What are you saying? Like, like, don't want to sound dumb on a podcast after the game. You want to get all the facts straight. Exactly yeah. right. All yeah, right. yeah. I need to learn that. I need to learn that. I basically say like at least one uh, false stat after every game in every podcast. But you know, because I'm not that into stats, so I read I read somewhere. On the internet, you know, oh, that's that. Oh, oh, sounds plausible. And then afterwards, you know, the listeners like, oh, Philip, are you dumb or something? That's impossible. Or is, uh... oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so and I think that's I sh- one of the things that, that gets you, you get caught right in. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the things I think stats can kind of help you with too is that when you're watching a game, there's like certain moments that really um, have like an outsized impact in how you remember things happening. But like when you look at things, I think in a in a longer or a wider view, 
um, they maybe weren't as important or um, there's other things that you like smaller, more small moments that yeah. maybe added up and maybe that player had a, a better game than you remember or maybe had a worse game than you remember where there's the, the one big thing that kind of gets stuck in your head. And I think that's some of the things that, you know, kind of taking the little bit of the notes along the way um, and then you kind of read through them back and you're like, oh, you kind of it helps me kind of change my opinion of uh, how players kind of played. Um, sometimes too, because uh, your memory can be a, a fickle thing yes. where uh, certain yeah. things uh, get caught in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a good example of that, and please correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but, you know, a player like Mathieu Flamini, for for example, you know, you saw him on the screen, you know, he's shouting and pointing and he's running and you feel like a fan. You feel like, oh, he really cares. He has a good game. You know, he's, you know, he's doing this for the club. But then when you look at his stats, it was like... Are he like 50 years old or something? Do you know what I mean? Like when you're watching on the screen, yeah, he cares, he's doing a great job, blah, 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 blah. But really, he all he does is just running around in points. Yeah, right. And you, you kind of don't remember the, you know, the time he was like out of position yeah. and like got bypassed too easily because... Or Which like was you, all you know, of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially in the later, yeah, the, yes. the second stint mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. Flamini. The first stint was actually a, a pretty good player, I thought. Um, but yeah, the second stint, he looked like a, a bit of a shadow of himself. Yeah. And that was uh, like the second period in Arsenal. He looked like a fan playing for Arsenal. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, by the right, uh, speaking of stats, do you have a favorite Arsenal stat except 49, 49 undefeated? Um, no, I mean, that's a, an interesting one. I, I haven't really thought of a, a favorite uh, stat that, that kind of goes through there. Um, I know actually one of the, my favorite things to just kind of track last year was the the goal. I, I remember Mikel Arteta at mm-hmm. the you know beginning of the the season last year kind of put down the marker of you know the team needs to score mm-hmm. you know ninety to hundred goals, and I thought that that was kind of a an outlandish uh, goal for him to be able to to call for. Yeah. But by God, Arsenal almost did it, and so like watching that one on a week by week basis of you know how they were tracking towards ninety goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they almost did it, and I think that's a, a good marker to, to try to have for, again, this coming season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, maybe 100 goals. Wouldn't, wouldn't yeah, hurt. I'd, I'd love to see 100 goals. That would be, that, I think it would make it a really fun season to watch. Why set the bar so low? 200 goals, right? Scott. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, Here we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Eight, um, goals, eight, eight goals a game, right? Yeah, there yeah every game would be like 10 nil, and Elliot would, would have a heart attack for every game. Right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, moving on to the next segment of the show. And um, before we do this, um, we have a jingle. And um, Scott, I'm really sorry about this, but this is the jingle for uh, News of the Week. I'm ready for it. New, 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 new news <laughs> of the Week. All right. <laughs> nice. Love it. No, no, it's not nice, but it's something. I- <laughs> You don't need to lie. It's fucking awful, but I love it. Um, all right, this is a segment where we go through all the news from the week who has been, uh, which has been. Uh, we started with a. We start with the news further uh, back and working, you know, our way till this current day, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the first news who break last week was uh, Mohamed Goudas from Ajax to Arsenal. Uh, my question to you: How does his stats look? Um, he looks like a, a very, very promising um, young player. Um, one of the things that really kind of jumps out when you see him is that he kind of uh, checks the box of what 
Arsenal have kind of been targeting uh, mm-hmm. since they started their rebuild. You look at um, a player that has a very high technical level. Um, he definitely checks that box. Uh, under 24, checks that box. Yeah. Has positional flexibility. Um, you look at kind of where he's played, and it's basically everywhere in the attacking third. Um, you know, played midfield to forward to attacking midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off of the right primarily um, for Ajax. Um, and yeah, he just looks really good. Um, has really, really good shot production mm-hmm. um, for an attacking midfielder. Um, uh, solid, uh, you know, progressive numbers, being able to do that. Uh, a very, very good dribbler. Um, just over four dribbles completed per 90, which is wow. uh, outstanding yeah. and ridiculously good. Um, just know, I, I am very, very excited for this player. Um, I think that he looks really good. Um, you know, there is the the caveats that this is happening in the, the Eredivisie, mm-hmm. which is a league that can boost attacking numbers. And he's also playing on a, a bit of a, a super team. So there's the, the kind of the super team effects of Ajax just mm-hmm. being a, an incredibly ball dominant team. And that can help kind of uh, boost things overall. Yeah. But I think you even looked at you know his performance at the World Cup and he was a player that really saw his stock rising uh, pretty significantly with his performances. Um, and, and he's been a, a guy that's been kind of on my radar for, yeah, probably about 18 months now as a, right. a player that I'm, I'm really, really interested in. So if this, uh, if there is more to this, I would be very excited about this player. Yeah. Good to hear you say that because I haven't, I've just seen, you know, the YouTube highlights and I've said, yes. it, said it before and I'll say it again, even me can look good on YouTube. So I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? But to hear you say that his stats is good. Everything is good. Um, uh, so I, I have to say, uh, that really got my hopes up to hear you say that. No, I mean, I, I think that you, you think about what kind of Arsenal need mm. in the squad now, it feels like we've, um, really built a first 11 yep. that honestly, I feel I can match up with anybody in the world right now. Yes. I, I don't think that I, I would feel going into a match with our first 11 healthy, that Arsenal would be significant underdogs against anybody. Now yeah. it's kind of building to that next step yeah. of, you know, going from an, an 11 that is really, really good to a squad that is 15, 16, or even, you know, 17, 18 players deep to be able to withstand the, you know, the, the rigors of playing in four competitions. Yeah. Um, and especially back in the Champions League where you need a, a higher caliber of player to be able to, to help, you know, manage things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing about, you know, being back in the Champions League, you don't, go back in the Champions League to you, you just, you know, play it off. If you're in the Champions yeah. League, you got to give it 100, 100%. Uh, yeah, that's at least yeah. six to eight matches that are, yes. you know, high stakes, yeah. harder. Um, you know, you can't kind of coast through the group stage at that same level that you could in the, the Europa League. Exactly, exactly. So. Yeah. Um, and what I've, what I have understand is that Mohamed Kudos uh, also plays. You know, he would be at the backup for Saka, not just not primarily, but could work there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that would be the the spot that I think would make the the most sense. Yeah. Um, he seems like a a fairly uh, good, uh, you know, I guess a representation of uh, Saka's skill set. Yeah, um, a player that's a kind of good one on one can help, uh, you know, link up with uh, the current right-handed players that we have. Um, I, I could really see him and Odegaard yeah. getting along quite well, being able to do that. 
Um, you know, and then, you know, the positional flexibility of, uh, you know, what Mikel Arteta wants to kind of build, uh, you know, a, almost like a positionless system mm -hmm. where players are free to interchange and go about the pitch and find the space to be able to, to do things. And I think he would really fit into that style and philosophy. That dream sounds like a wet dream for Adam Ramsey. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but that is the downside of this uh, transfer, I would say. Like, if you go to Arsenal, another backup to Saka, you basically just play when Saka is either injured or need a rest. You can't, you, you know, be the... Of course you can compete with Saka, but if Saka is fresh, he plays. You know what I mean? He's yeah. first on the team sheet, yep. so if... Uh, Go, kudos want to go to Arsenal and know that he is the backup. Why not? But uh, maybe he wants to go somewhere and play. You know, be the first, f the starter, so to speak. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah, I think that is always the you know the the dilemma hmm. of uh, you know you becoming a the team that has a good first eleven. Yeah, is that it's really hard then to bring in players that want to uh, or they are willing to compete. Um, you know, it's uh, unless you have kind of the, the Manchester City money where you can uh, really kind of uh, compensate players with the, the giant wage packet yeah. to be able to, to keep them happy. Um, you know, the, unless they're getting the, the minutes, it's always a, a, a tough balancing act. Um, and it's, it's one of those things I think that Arsenal fans might have to get uh, OK with mm -hmm. teams or, you know, players uh, only staying around for a couple of years, you know, they come in, they try to break in and maybe, you know, they don't make it and we're, we'll, you know, have to, to move them on. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And that's the, speaking again about this problem, you know, with a, when you have a starter, that's a problem that Tottenham Hotspurs had had for many years now with Harry Kane. Uh, mm -hmm. Right, but we're not here to talk about Harry Kane, we're here to talk about news of the week. And the, the second news of the week was the, Game against MLS All-Stars, uh, Arsenal won 5-0. I have to say, I didn't watch that game. It was like middle of the night here, uh, and I have to go to work. I'm an adult, and uh, <laughs> what do you say? I have a responsibility now. So, um, But we won 5-0. I saw the goals, five beautiful, no, four beautiful goals and uh, Jorginho penalty. But my question to you, uh, Scott, any stats from the game that you want to highlight? Yeah, this is one that there actually really isn't uh, a lot of stats on, unfortunately. Um, you know, the it's a very friendly, friendly. Mm. So, like, even uh, MLS didn't really uh, push anything out there. Um, I like to, you know, kind of default to to Y Scout um, on occasion too, and they didn't even, um, you know, tag this one for the game. Oh, um, but I did. I did watch this one, so um, I, I did get to to see a little bit of my eyes. I think the the thing that's always tough playing MLS All Stars is this is a team that like uh, the players like have never played together or at least most yeah, of them yeah. have never like played together as a and team. coached by Wayne Rooney. That couldn't be easy. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, they looked a bit dysfunctional. Um, I think it was a, a fun kind of outing to be able to, to kind of see some things. And, you know, uh, I think it was really fun to, to see Arsenal uh, be able to, yeah. to do that. And, you know, it's uh, you get to oscillate, right? So now we'll, we'll talk probably about the, the United one yeah, here in a yeah, second yeah, where, yeah. Um, you know, after All-Stars, it's like, oh, we're going to not lose a game all year. We're going to yeah, score 120 yeah. goals and we're, we're having fun living the, the life, being able to do it. Oh, that's so Arsenal fan. Like, you, we win 5-0 again, MLS All-Stars. And everyone online, not everyone, but you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're going to go and beat them again. We're going to win the Champions yeah. League. <laughs> and like, like, a few days later, we, we lose 2-0 against United. And it's like, oh, Arteta out. This is fucking shit. 
same 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 thing every year. Uh, but since we're on it, uh, we might as well jump to the United game. Uh, United two Arsenal nil. Any specific uh, stats from that game you want to highlight or so? Yeah, I think this is one where it kind of came down to uh, two mistakes really mm -hmm. for for Arsenal. There was the you know the, the first goal, uh, Ramsdale kind of just doesn't get a hand to a shot that you know really wasn't well placed. And I, I mean, I, I, it's a mistake, but I hope it's a mistake that he doesn't actually make yeah. in a real game. Um, and then the second one is uh, Gabriel whiffing mm. on a long ball that really was like a nothing something and it really shouldn't have been. And then, you know, Sancho coming in, doing a good yeah. finish. Um, you know, both teams had um, one kind of like big chance to score. Anthony, like just basically still just showing everybody why he sucks. Yeah, um, yep, really yep. just scuffing his shot. And then Martinelli uh, getting his big chance kind of blocked. But other than that, I mean, the the overall you look at the the XG and it was even. It was basically mm. one to one. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of matches my reflection of watching the game, where it didn't really seem like either team had like any massive chances to score or be able to to do anything. Um, it felt like Arsenal's midfield was very much a work in progress. Yes. Uh, didn't quite have the same control that I think that we had mm -hmm. um, seen last year. Um, you know, that's certainly down to, I think, missing, you know, I think Zinchenko uh, is a key player yeah. in that. Um, you know, I, I really like uh, Tommy Asu, but he looked like a, a rusty player kind of just coming back from a, a bad knee injury. Yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna. I'm not overly worried about uh, Tommy Osiulari. He's, he's this is really his first game. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. Since he's that, come back, so like, right? We're not. I'm not gonna. Beat him other Arsenal, other Arsenal fans who do stuff. Tommy Osiulari is fucking shit. We should pay him. <laughs> like no, like this. This guy just had his knee blow up yeah, and he's no. coming back. Let's let's give him a little bit of time. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. He can have one more game. Otherwise, he's out. Yeah, I That's know what it, you mean. Right? Just yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that um, was the big topic after the certain about the Arsenal's midfield. Um, I have a confession to make. I didn't see the game. I was in a. Uh, I was at a concert, uh, a Swedish band called Amazon, which is really nice. fucking good. Uh, so a music recommendation for all the listeners: Amazon, a Swedish band. Uh, their singer uh, Amanda Bergman, who voice of an angel. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Amazon. We're here to talk about uh, <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal's midfield. You know, when I afterwards look at the Twitter, you know, all the group chats and everything. Everyone was talking about the the midfield. Yeah, you know, there wasn't the right balance. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of those things like where the team is still looking at you know how to to work together, right? This is uh, Declan Rice, really like the first time he started a game for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, you know, really kind of getting his sense of like how he is connects. You know, taking the ball from the back line, being able to do that. Um, I think you start to see Odegaard drop in a little bit deeper to help kind of make a, a two. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped a little bit more in the second half to be able to see him, you know, be able to help with that. Um, I think we are really missing, uh, you know, also Gabriel Jesus, yeah. because I think he's a player that um, with his ability to, to drop into midfield from striker is going to be able to add a lot. And I think that's something that will bring actually more out of Havertz. Um, mm. Those two being able to interchange. Yeah, and play and off each other. To, yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. that's something that will be really fun to be able to kind of see more of that. Um, I think Timber um, had a, you know, a, everybody was really high on him <laughs> after MLS All-Stars. Yeah. But uh, United's a, a little bit better than that. And I think he, you know, was still kind of getting into to his sense of how uh, that's going to work um, building out. So it just really felt like it's a, there's a bunch of new players kind of coming in and getting a sense of 
you know, needing those uh, automatisms yeah. of how the arsenal build up. So it just felt like it was, you know, how Paul likes to use his toothpaste analogy. <laughs> this yes. felt like uh, the toothpaste wasn't quite being pushed up the tube quite yet. <laughs> All right, I love, not, I love that really analogy. Yet, right? I love that. It's still early. Yeah, yeah, yeah of uh, course. We still of have course. Uh, two two more games really to to kind of to, to sort things out. Yeah, and then I think yeah, and then hopefully by uh, Major City at the Community Shield, uh, teams uh, things will be looking a little bit more yes. uh, like we want to see with the Arteta ball. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, like you said, Sinchenko being back, you know, is really important for our way to play. And uh, like you said, Gabriel Jesus as well. Um, I don't have any f- further updates on their injuries, but, you know, fingers crossed that uh, they are back. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any team news come out. We'll probably get something, what, Tuesday? Uh, it'll probably be a press conference um, before the, the LA match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking about, you know, the Community Shield and next season and so... Um, what are the is this some something we can read from the stats you know that any progress from the stats which should get a closer look at next season what we can uh, you know uh, how do i put this what we can um um uh, yeah, sorry i, I lost uh, my word we, but do you know what yeah, i mean it's like yeah. what, what we're expecting and exactly uh, you know, the thank you expecting expecting that's the word thank you um, I, I think that to me, it's a uh, kind of at a minimum solidifying our spot really back at the, the top end of the table. Mm. Um, I, I really, really expect Arsenal to be really like no worse than third mm. next year. Um, I, I think if I kind of think through the, the levels of the team, you kind of got to give Manchester City a little bit of the, the benefit of the doubt as yeah. like they're going to be the, the team by default yeah. that we expect to win the league. There's still some questions there, I, I think, think, right? So. They're, I they're think lo- so, yeah. They're losing a lot of key players. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so you're losing uh, Gundogan, who is just uh, absolutely uh, a key part of, I think, how they've been able to, to generate attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, losing uh, Mares, uh potentially Bernardo Silva, yeah. uh, Bruyne with a, an injury to kind of start the season. So there's certainly some questions there. Um, but then they also might have the the best player in the world, or you know, right up there with uh, Mbappe, I guess, uh, for uh, the the most impactful mm, yeah. uh, single player. And that that really kind of covers a lot of things. So I think you kind of start with the default that Manchester City with Pep Guardiola, their ability to add on, I, which I fully expect them to over the next yeah. month to to kind of solidify their team. They're probably that number one team, um, and then. I think Arsenal really should slot into that number two spot. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, the, the other Premier League teams are obviously going to have invested and are going to get improved. But I still think that my expectation is still Arsenal start in that number two spot. And yeah. I'm really excited in seeing them, um, you know, seeing if they can challenge again. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it was kind of a, a weird situation last year where it felt like for at least that first half of the season, everything went Arsenal's way. Yeah. And I, I really liked that. And, you know, when our, everything was going Arsenal's way, Arsenal really did look like legit, you know, potentially the best team in the league right up there with Manchester City. Yes. And then in that second half of the season, uh, the bounces kind of stopped going mm. Arsenal's way quite as Injuries much. Injuries and everything. And, and uh, so yeah, yeah, and a little bit just, you know, not quite the same finishing luck. Mm. And, you know, just kind of some of the stuff kind of just went against Arsenal a little bit more. And Arsenal looked more... You know, in that, in that, you yeah. know, uh, more towards the third place team than the first place team. Yeah. Um, so I think it's yeah, it can be an interesting balance if we can put together a, a full season of looking more like that first place team again. Is there any uh, stats from um, l- 
the spring of last season that we should be like, ooh, a bit concerned about? Uh, for example, I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, yeah, go on, defense, go on. right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the, the defense is the the main thing that really kind of let Arsenal down mm. in the the spring. Um, and you know, there you can obviously point that almost directly to Rob Holding. Saliba. No, I was kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, Rob Holding looks like a wonderful person. Yeah. Um, and, and everything, you know, he loves America, so uh, he's uh, like, a, like an honorary uh, yeah. American. So I, I got a little bit of a, a soft spot for for Rob Holding. Yeah, me too, me but, too. Yeah. I love him. I love him. He's not the best player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he's definitely not the best player. Uh, but I like him as you know, as a, as a person, and uh, you know, I always felt attached to him for, for some reason. Great taste in music yeah, as well, and so. Yeah, and as I say, like right, there's that that certain bit of that that underdog, like yep. you know, the guy comes in with like no expectations and really kind of, I, I guess, uh, you know, exceeds them. Um, mm-hmm. He actually, you know, at, at times didn't look completely out of place um, at Arsenal, which is a, a huge compliment for mm-hmm. a guy that was good. But he came in from League One, yeah, um, yeah. being yeah. able to do that, which is a huge jump up. Um, so I think that's something that that really is kind of a, a mark for him. And it's like, I don't think he's a bad player. No. He just doesn't really fit, per se, with how Arsenal want to play. That's it. Um, that's anymore. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's that's the big thing that you kind of look at from the spring. Yeah. And it's it's the, can Arsenal get back to a defense of, uh, you know, performance that we saw in the first half of the season? Um, being able to to really constrict the space mm. and limit teams to be able to you know take you know not be able to get the the big chances overall. Uh, so I think that's something that'll be really interesting to to watch going forward. Yeah. Uh, any specific about XG? The, how does Arsenal compare with XG? Is, should we be worried next season? That like because we always hear like oh Jesus is great, he's a great, but he doesn't you know score as much as he do. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that was one of the the things that was interesting. So there's a a very weird mix of uh, Arsenal players. So we had, I think, uh, both Jesus and and Enkedia were among the leaders for players that underperformed Mm. their expected goals. So that's the the goals that they actually scored compared to, you know, the the probability of... That's what basically XG is for people that are (laughs) familiar. Everyone, XG is... No, just kidding. Yeah, it's the the probability of scoring. So I think everybody like intuitively kind of has an XG. Like you you know like when you're watching the game when a, a chance is actually really good. Yeah. Um. So XG is just a, a formalized process of um, using historical data to like you know figure out in similar situations what is the likelihood of this being scored. Mm-hmm. Um. Which we all do kind of intuitively. You know, like when a player yeah. has a one on one with a goalkeeper, like that's a really good chance. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, it's it's one of those things like, oh, when you actually um, I've seen players go one on one with a goalkeeper, that turns into a goal about forty percent of the time. Yeah. Um. Which you know, it, it always like bugs you or bugs me at least when you you kind of hear like uh the commentators talk about like, oh, like he has to score there, and it's like you kind of think like, I mean, yeah, it's a really good chance, but like missing is still more likely yeah. than not yeah, 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 um, yeah. on those kinds of uh, things. Um, but yeah, so just kind of going back. So uh, we had two of the, the top players in uh, underperformance. And then we had, I think... In the league? Top players of, in the league? Yeah, Sorry. in the league. Yeah, okay. And then we had two of the top in overperformance with uh, Martinelli and Odegaard oh. uh, scoring uh, more goals than kind of expected. So it was kind of an interesting mix where um, as a team, yeah. Arsenal were still slightly above um, the XG. So um, if, you're, if you're looking for something that Arsenal need to kind of back that up, um, it's probably 
getting a few more good chances. Yeah. Um, All right. You know, being able to to back that up. If we're if our goal is uh, 100 goals, mm-hmm. we do probably 200. Need to, Scott, 200. Yeah, 200 <laughs> goals. We need to we need to up the the shots yeah. and really kind of keep the the overall quality a little bit higher. But I'm still just very very excited about yeah. what the attack can do. Um, and I think um, Arteta saw that as well, right? I think that's why we're kind of seeing uh, Havertz kind mm. of come in um, to try to bring us to where we can play basically with, you know, like five real good attackers yeah. um, at times and, you know, really kind of have the five attackers, the five uh, defenders, mm-hmm. midfielder typey things um, and really try to, to push that, you know, that next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to next season. Can't wait, can't wait. Um I'm looking here at my, you know, talking point schedule, and I saw we missed one news of the week. So, we, real quick, uh, Bill Bitello is that his name? Bitello from Gremio. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know actually the player much here, so I'm gonna. But you know his here. stats. So, yeah, I'm gonna, we, we'll we'll do some some live uh, looking at him here. That's how we do it. Uh, yeah. So where where did he he play before? Gremio was it? Oh, oh, yeah. The yeah. so in the uh, Brazilian, what do you say? The Brazilian yeah. Premier League, Brazilian uh, Super League. I don't know. The, the Brazilian uh, Serie A, right? Yeah. yeah. I'll look it up here. Because, uh, while you're looking up, I can talk uh, rubbish, basically. Yeah, yeah. But but for I, what yeah, I have yeah. understand, it's like yeah. it's like an. Um, wide player as well like kudos is that right you know um yeah so yeah. that's kind of what it looks like here yeah mm-hmm. pulling up um you know actually these they're they're playing right now they they play a a, oh. a summer yeah uh, league right now in in brazil um you know looking at the, the stats seems to be a, a fairly uh you know involved in build up mm. type player yeah. um not quite the the one on one player of a, a kudos mm. where you know he's only a, a bit about one uh, dribble per game, not quite the progressive carrier, mm-hmm. um, but but decent shots uh, totals. Um, I, I, just doing a very quick glance, um, yeah. I, I you know I, I'm not quite as excited as, as this profile. Okay, um, all right. Yeah, a little bit older, almost uh, okay. 24, so 23 um, and uh, 200 days now. So he said, yeah, I don't know if this there's a there's a lot to this one yet. Okay. We might need to get uh, Tim Stillman's uh, <laughs> yeah, know, uh, yeah, scouting yeah. of what uh, Syria. Wait, I call um, him up. Know, wait, uh, wait a sec. I call him up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so if you have to decide, you choose Kudos. If I, yeah, I think yeah. I think I would okay. yeah. um, here between the two. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Now we got that out of the way. Um, Scott, we got some questions for you. All right, I'm yeah. excited for the questions. Uh, the first question is uh, actually from me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you and it, and it goes like, do you ever get tired of stats? I I don't. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's, All right. It's a uh, it's just something that I've always looked at and right. I, I find it interesting. Um, I know like one of my you know favorite things to do. Um, usually, you know, like that that Monday morning yeah. after the the match week is done, is kind of go through and uh, look at who had like the the best performances and mm-hmm. be able to kind of look at those things. And it's just uh, something that's kind of uh, ingrained into me, um, where okay. I, I really just love looking at it. So I I've, I've never really felt sick of it. I, it's okay. never even uh, it's just something that's part of me, I guess. So no. All right, never, so you're not tired of me, right? Like I wrote you, oh, do you want to come on the podcast? And you'll be like, oh, interesting, an exotic Swedish podcast, of course. And I'll be like, do you want to talk stats? Oh, shit, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that, no? No, not at all, right? Okay, you know, this great, is, uh, great. 
Yeah, uh, combining my, my Swedish heritage. Uh, yeah, I know we, we talked about that when we, we met in London. So, yeah, yeah my, we did. My family actually uh, comes from Sweden uh, originally, so at least half of my family. Oh, yeah, we did. Now I, now I remember. And uh, speaking about that time, damn, it was nice. I really enjoyed yeah. that time. Oh, really, really, really. We should do that again sometime. Go to London and drink shitload of beer. I, I love it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, actually, you know, if anybody, uh, I'm, I'll am i be there uh, this next weekend coming up. So if anybody you know, sees me along, feel free to just shout out and say hello. Um, I'll and to, and talk stats. The, the, yeah, <laughs> talk I'll stats. be, you know, going from pub to pub. Uh, I'll be with my wife this time. So I'll have somebody better looking with me uh, to help uh, make me, you know, look better. Sounds like a dream, though. <laughs> yes. Great. All right. Uh, next question, which is kind of a serious one. Uh, well, it's not a question, or it is. It's more like a topic. Uh, it comes from Twitter, uh, Mickey Eriksson at Mickey Eriksson AFC. Uh, and the thing is, he sent me a video clip. Uh, maybe I should send this to you. Maybe it's too late for that. Oh, anyhow, uh, it's an old clip from Thierry Henry when he interviews Arsene Wenger. You know, it could be Arsene Wenger's last uh, season at the Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And he like asks Wenger a couple of you know simple stats, uh, which player he played the most, which player sub the most, which team he scored the most against. Maybe I should ask you these questions since you are so into stats. <laughs> all right, all right, let's do this. Uh, let's do this. Um, do you know which player Arsene Wenger played the most during his time at I, Arsenal? I, I don't. Um, I, if I had to guess, I'd probably guess a defender. Mm. 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 No, um, oof, yeah, because you know what? There, there really wasn't a, a great through line of a defender that played uh. a ton of time. No, I'm, I'm probably a younger player that kind of came up through while he was here. Oh, Can I get yeah. a guess? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm blinking. I'm not sure. I'm going to be surprised by the answer. I think here. All right, the answer is, is uh, Patrick Vieira. Okay. All, All right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, because he kind of came in. He came in right as you know, uh, you know, Arson started. Yeah. Um. You know, basically was a you know the the first guy on the team sheet with Thierry, right? As the the guys that you know you built around. That's true. You're totally right about that. But even even though that shocked me to hear, because like his Vieira just played for Arsenal. Just played. Uh, he played nine years, right? Uh, ninety six yeah. to two thousand and five. So till 2005 and 2018, you know that's a what is it? 13 years that yeah. Vieira didn't play in Arsenal, uh, and he just played for nine years. Even though he just played for nine years, he's uh, the most played player. Do you know what I mean? And he was suspended a lot. He, you know, was injured time to time. So I was kind of surprised when I heard that. But there you go. I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe if Cesc stayed instead of going to, to Barcelona, yeah. he probably could have been the guy, right? The the guy that started at 15 and, mm. you know, could have had the, you know, 15 years with Arsenal um, if he'd uh, wanted to and could have been, the- know, had that if he wanted it. Yeah, Theo Walcott must be close. Yeah, that, that, that is interesting. You know, I'm going to look it up here, how many minutes did yeah. uh, Theo Walcott Ooh. play with Arsenal? Here. This is great. Uh, and Colatore, I think Arsene Wenger said, no, Thierry Henry said that Colatore was like in top three and something or something. Uh, yeah, so right. uh, Arsene Wenger through the, the last was the, the sixth place area, the sixth yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He played a lot of minutes uh, for Arsenal, it looks like, yeah. 
Um, you know, there's a couple where he left at the end, but then he went to, to Everton. Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know, about 1500 minutes okay. total for, for Theo Walcott um, in the league. Yeah, That's, uh, interesting. Yeah, he could have been there. Yeah, he's yeah. certainly up there. Yeah, it must be. It must be. All right. Next question that Henri asked to Wenger that I'm going to ask you. Which player do you think uh, Wenger subbed the most during his time at Arsenal? Hmm. Um, it, it feels like it might have been an attacker. Um, it know, is. Those are it those is. The guys that, yeah. that, that usually did it. Uh, was it... Um, uh, Pires? Uh, no, it was Dennis Burkamp. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense, right? Because he, he was a little bit on the, the, the downside of the career. Didn't really finish, all, you know, play a full 90s a lot. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I could see that one. And you know, when the game is won, you sub off Dennis Burkamp because he is the fucking goat. So you want to, you yeah. know, wrap him, cut him wall. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta save those knees, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, which game, no, which team did... Uh, awesome Vengas Arsenal score the most goal against. Did I get mm. that sentence right? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Is it? Um, oof. You're gonna love this answer. So it's a, it, I'm gonna. Yeah. So it's a, it's got to be a team that's been in the Premier League. Is it? Is it Spurs? The the Arsenal's team. Uh, the, yeah. Yes, Spurs. It Spurs, had to be Spurs. a team that it was in the Premier League the yeah. entire time, and yes. it had to be a team that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, but the thing is with this, you know, question, it got me thinking. How much do you think, like, the managers, um, how do I put this? You know, the evolving with stats, like the managers uh, some years back and now, how much do you think they are, like, into stats and, you know, stats on everything and everything? And uh, do you know what I mean? Uh, I bet that there's a, been a, a huge change yeah. in it. And I think yeah. uh, Wenger was probably, probably um, on the forefront um, of that, being able to to do it. You kind of think through, um, you know, Arsenal have always kind of been actually on the, the cutting edge of, mm. uh, you know, the the stats department um, being able to to do it. Um, and I think, you you know, you've heard um, Arsene be actually one of the first coaches to kind of talk about expected goals mm. um, in, you know, a press conference, being yeah. able to do it. And you could kind of see um, the way that he played. It really did kind of suit, you know, maximizing the, you know, your chances of winning that you've seen um, kind of pushed yeah. from the stats perspective. It's, uh, you know, less uh, long shots, um, you know, the the ability, you know, people always uh, used to beat Arsenal mm. with the, we try to walk the ball into the net. But when you kind of think about it from a, you know, probabilistic perspective, like, uh, you know, even if you you fail like two or three times with you know doing an extra pass or mm. something like that, if you can do that one pass that takes a chance from you know a, a three to five percent chance of becoming a goal to a forty or fifty yeah. percent yeah. chance of being a goal, like that is huge, and it is absolutely the type of thing that you want to be able to see. And I think um, you know, I think this is some of the things that maybe Wenger kind of just knew intuitively. Yeah. To be able to, you know, how the best way to win matches is through this style of yeah. play. Um, so I think this is something that that really kind of uh, probably would have been good for him. Um, and I think uh, Arteta also is a, a coach that I think, um, you know, seems like he wants to know all of the information. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Balogun <laughs> yes. had a quote, you know, talking about uh, the intensity yeah. of uh, Arteta. And like, he just does not strike me as a person that uh, turns down any 
um, information. I'm sure he's an absolute freak yes. at watching yeah. uh, game film, mm-hmm. game video, getting the reports from the analyst and the scouts and being able to do that. So yeah. I, I'm sure that it's uh, heavily, heavily used um, within the club. Yeah, because that was what I was thinking as well. Like Arteta, he feels like a stats monster. You know, he wants to know everything and how it, thing works, you know, to, to build on. Uh, another name like Roy Hodgson doesn't feel like any stats fan. You know what I mean? He was like more like, eh, go out and do your thing. Yeah, come on. Yeah, r- r- run around a bit, boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Run, <laughs> run away a bit. Um, all right, okay. Uh, next question. Uh, and it's from actually, uh, this is kind of interesting. It's actually from my brother, uh, and he wants to know. He he, <laughs> he he starts to get very into stats, so he's like a bit curious about it. So he has a couple of questions. Hope hope that's all right. That you educate okay. me and my brother in stats. Of course. Yeah. What is the difference uh, between xg and xgot? Okay. Um. So XG was uh, expected goals, and that really kind of looks at the the moment of like the ball being kicked um, mm-hmm. and puts that rating on it. So it doesn't take into account anything after the ball is kicked. So you'll look at you know the the location of the where the shot's being taken. Yep. Um, is this being taken you know on you know from the foot? Is it from the head? Um, and then you know how like the shot was kind of assisted. So you'll see like uh, was this assisted with a cross um, that tends to make a shot harder to score? Um, was this assisted with a through ball um, that will tend to help make a, a shot better or easier to score because uh, through balls are generally line breaking passes mm. and that's a, a good proxy of um, you'll, you're more likely to have less pressure when you're taking that shot. Was this um, from a fast break, um, you know, a transition type of, uh, you know, attack? Um, those ones are uh, easier to score, obviously, than, you know, going up against a low block. Um, that's another one where, like, mm-hmm. uh, was this uh, an established final third uh, type of possession where, you know, the the team is, you know, basically going uh, offense versus defense against a set defense. And those ones, you're more likely to, uh, you know, have a shot blocked or, you know, it's uh, a harder to score in those kinds of situations. So that's basically kind of what, what XG is. It's um, all the stuff leading up to the moment that a shot is taken. Yep. Um, XG on target, you'll see this, uh, that's what XG OT would be. So you'll see this yep. uh, different way. So you'll um, also be called post-shot expected goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is looking at um, after the ball is kicked, where does it end up on frame? inside of the goal. All right. um, so you'll also take into account, um, you know, some of the things of like, where was the bomb, the shot taken from? So like the, the angle that the it's taken at for the goalkeeper. Um, but then the, the biggest factors are where is, is this a shot in the top corner? Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a, you know, a harder chance to, or, you know, for the goalie to save. And that's more likely to turn into a goal. Is it shot right at the goalkeeper? that's less, you know, it's easier to say, um, you know, is it low down or is it at a a good comfortable height, um, for the goalkeeper? So these, that's the, that's the bigger factor, um, for, um, the, uh, you know, post shot expected goals or the shot on target XG. Um, you know, if it's completely, you know, into, if it's a a Thomas party shot, that's (laughs) going to go, uh, uh, hurt somebody in the upper deck. Yeah. Um, those are ones that are going to always be zero because you can't score if the shots obviously except against Spurs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, the kind of the, the big differences between those two. Okay. All right. In- interesting. Interesting. All right. Next question. Uh, also from our brother. Uh, he has a question 
about these uh, spiders, or can you call them radars? Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. Uh, typically, yeah, radars, um, spider charts, uh, you know, those kinds of fun ones. All right. Uh, he, he says, my brother. Um, I've heard that some players are coached by the agents to play a certain way to, you know, the, to benefit the stats. So their, you know, spider or radar looks better. So clubs want to buy them. Is that this phenomenon something you you know? Like, oh, you, I, you know this better than me, right? But if a player plays uh, ten easy passes, it'd be hundred, one hundred percent passes completion, basically. Have you heard this? I mean, it's uh, certainly possible, and mm. I think that's one of the the things that when you're as a you know an analyst, you're trying to think through what your stat is actually measuring, and does it actually have an impact on the game? So, in the early uh, you know stats part, you didn't really have anything to measure passing beyond really kind of like pass completion mm. percentage. Mm. Um, but the game or the the stats have evolved to kind of now rating. Uh, the difficulty of yeah. the passes that that players try. Um, so yeah, if you are just you know passing back to your goalkeeper ten times, <laughs> like that's that's you know a pass that you should complete yeah, every yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but it's also a very low value pass. Mm. Like right, that doesn't really help your team's chances of scoring. I feel like so, the example um, with the pass was a bad example, <laughs> right? No, now. no, that's a no, that's a it's a very good example. Oh, okay, right? thank, so, you, thank, you, thank you, thank um, you. From you know uh, building out that um, I know when I pick which stats to go on there. And that is something that is absolutely, um, you know, pivotal um, and, you know, can change like the, the perception of a player is what stats you present um, and how to do it. Um, I really always try to think through of the, the role that mm. the player does and really trying to make sure what I'm putting on there uh, corresponds with, um, you know, things that are, that help the team win. Mm. So, you know, pure pass percentage really doesn't, help a team win. Um, I know some of the things that I would rather look at if I am trying to measure somebody's passing. Um, so I, I look at a stat that I call pass efficiency, mm -hmm. and that is basically looking at how many passes above average do they complete compared to, um, you know, a, a quote unquote average player. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like, it's similar to like XG, right? So it, it right. takes into like, what part of the field um, was this pass being taken from and where is it going to and trying to figure out, okay, like, um, a line breaking through ball is a lot harder to complete than a, you know, a three yard mm. pass to, you know, your midfield uh, teammate. Um, so a player that does more of the first kind of passes, um, those are harder to complete. So yeah. if they, you know, do complete it, they get extra credit kind of for that. So I think that's something that corresponds better with what a player you want a player to do. Um, and then also kind of, I touched on this briefly, kind of talking about um, goal probability added. Yeah. So that's like trying to like think through of um, at the start of an event, what are the chances that a team is going to score? And then looking at that after, um, you know, uh, the event has happened. So after you complete a pass, um, you know, this is more likely to help your team to score, Yeah. trying to measure that value. Um, and I think that's something that you're you're trying to make sure that what you're putting onto the radars or you know whatever you're presenting corresponds mm -hmm. with what you think the goals of the team are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being able to to do that. So I think there are certain things that you could do. Um, you know, but generally, I think if you're doing it right, the stats that you're using correspond with things that players and the coaches want them to do. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, the the things that you know 
right? Like just completing a pass, just to complete a pass mm. really isn't that important, but um, completing a pass that increases your team's chances of yeah. scoring. Yeah. That's, that's what a coach is going to you know, be looking for. Um, you know, it's, it's not just taking, you know, a, a speculative shot from 25 yards out. It's, uh, you know, looking at the, the expected goals value, right? Like uh, you'd yeah. rather have, you know, uh, one good, you know, like yeah. 20, 30% chance than five yeah. crappy shots from outside of the box. So if you're only looking at really easy things to measure, yeah, you certainly could, um, kind of boost a, a player, but if your, uh, stats are aligned with the team goals, um, I think that's less of a problem. So what or does, actually it is. If, if, so if a player actually is trying to make their stats <laughs> good, it also will correspond with the team playing well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So what you're saying is like it's hard and maybe dumb to manipulate your own radar, so to speak, because they, you know that. It will... it's, it's certainly possible, and like, um, if I was a player's agent, I would obviously uh, uh, try to put them in the best light. Mm. Um, you know, being able to to do it. Uh, but uh, it, it's uh, if you're from a, the team's perspective, um, I think there's ways to uh, potentially yeah. look at that um, that match what you're hoping for them to be able to do as well. Speaking about manipulating radars, maybe that was uh, what uh, Per Mertesacker's agent did. That's why he's always <laughs> just passing to the keeper or the player uh, beside him. You know, he he was. If you look at his, you know this better than me, right? If you look at his, you know, passing completion, he was basically the best passing player in the world. But it was just because you know he's passing either the goalkeeper or you know uh, Koscielny who played beside him. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, a certain kind of thing. I think one of the things that thinking back to that time period too, like Arsenal played in a very kind of unique style mm. where they early in build up uh, pushed the fullbacks really high yeah. and wide. That's what helped give the the width and then look to really build through the middle. Um, so there was a, a lot of, you know, we needed to to keep possession while we got into that shape. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you saw a lot of those, you know, kind of passes between the center backs and oh, the goalkeeper yeah. um, while we did that. But I think um, uh, Murder Sacker did have a, a really solid, um, you know, low line breaking long ball. Um, that he liked to to do, so he he did add a, a bit of value there. Um, but you know, uh, lots of those uh, low value uh, passes between center backs. I, I feel like uh, I, I was a bit harsh on him. You know, Per Mertesacker. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Uh, I love uh, Per. Uh, I love Dick Per. Yeah, as long yeah. as he wasn't having to run. Yeah, me too as well. Same, same, same. I think actually he's kind of underrated uh, as a player. Uh, like you said, as long as he didn't need to run, he was actually really, really good. Yeah. Uh, scores about scored against Spurs as well. His first goal. Uh, all right, next question, which I think would be the last, and it comes from uh, Twitter, and it's let me see here, Sporty G at Sporty G eight on Twitter. Not counting preseason, how many matches will it take the new Gunners aside from experience in the Premier League to proper proper properly? There you go, properly uh, assimilate to Arteta ball. Uh, ballpark, I guess. Um, I, that's a, a really good question. Mm. Um, that is something that I've been kind of thinking a bit about with you know, kind of uh, rebuilding and rejiggering yeah. the midfield. Um, it, it probably will take because that's probably I think you, I think you can plug in an attacking player and see them be able to assimilate quicker. Um, I think you saw that with uh, Leandro Trossard mm. last year, where yeah. Yeah. he was just kind of. I think he had like the the first couple games where. Um, he, he wasn't just thrown right into it, but you know, it, it took him maybe like three to five matches yeah. to, to kind of get up to speed. Um, and then 
I think uh, a midfielder, I think if you have like someone like Jorginho, mm. um, where like he really kind of dictates his own role, yeah. he probably has a, a lower uh, kind of a learning curve of being able to do it. And he's also just uh, been doing this for a long time. So um, I think he probably had a, a bit, um, and he was also coming from a, a team that played in a similar style. But so I think if somebody for Rice, oh, he might need a, you know, eight to 10 games to to really kind of get a, a feel for things. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of those little, um, you know, like how Arsene Wenger, the, the, the automatisms, yeah, and, you know, yeah, knowing yeah, yeah. Um, just intuitively, yeah. you don't need to even look up or like you could scan beforehand and you can see a player like, you know, where he's going to be based on whatever movement he was doing previously. Yeah. I think that's going to take, you know, maybe a, a quarter of a season yeah. uh, to kind of get built into. And sorry to interrupt you, but after the, I think it was after the MLS All-Star game, you know, the Free Me on the Arsenal uh, website, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he interviewed uh, Declan Rice real quick, and uh, Declan Rice just said this, like, like, it's all about building relationships on the pitch, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and patterns and everything. So, just like you said, so, uh, and that takes time. Yep, oh, for sure, right? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, and it's one of those things that, it's uh, the difference between that fraction of a second um, makes probably like a, a huge difference at, you know, the, the speed of the game that the Premier League goes to, yeah. um, you know, not having to look up and see and confirm it with your eyes, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to be able to, you know, out of your peripheral vision, you know, a player is moving to a spot and you can do it kind of one time, um, you know, right on that first thing. I think that's something that um, it just takes time. And I think that's actually, you know, you think about, um, you know, who's so good at that. It's like a, the Martin Odegaard, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of drops in and, you know, just knows like mm-hmm. intuitively that that player is going to be making that run and he can do like a first time um, ball over the top into space for, you know, Saka and Martinelli to run on to. Yeah. Um, I, I think Rice has that in his game, but it's going to take time to, yeah. you know, build the relationships. And not Rice, uh, Havertz as well. Same thing. Yes, yeah, S- same for thing sure. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is, if Declan Rice isn't uh, the best player in the world, the first f- five till ten games, uh, we shouldn't, you know, go all uh, rage no, on Twitter. Gotta, we got to freak out uh, that first game, right? If he if he's not, you know, looking. <laughs> if it's not ten out uh, of ten, the first game, oh, everything yeah, is it's a flop, shit. Flop. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how it goes. That's how it works. Um, Scott, this was a pleasure, and uh, I had real, real fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Yeah, we'll have to, to do this again when the, the, the actual games uh, get going. Definitely. And we can see how much uh, Rice has flopped. Uh, I mean, uh, how much Rice <laughs> is the best player on the pitch. Not just with exactly. the eyes, but with the numbers as well. Uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast. L- let's do this later, later this season. Perfect. Look forward to it. Great, great, great. And if you want to hear more with Scott, uh, like I said in the beginning, listen to Stat Guy and the Civilian on Arsenal Vision's podcast. Uh, podcast uh, patreon feed you need to be a patron member but i highly recommend that as well so uh, just do it and uh, like scott i don't know if you know this but all your stats are all over the internet so i, I don't yeah need... that's a, that i see and i'm it's exciting to, to see people like it and uh, want to see more of them yeah so I, i i feel like i don't need to you know point them at the web page because as long as basically when you say an arsenal stats it's basically your stats someone else is copying Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you see an Arsenal stats, uh, you should, you know, have a beer for Scott uh, somewhere. Um, all right. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, next week we have Tobias back in the, our regular co-host of the podcast. That should be fun. See what he's been up to this summer. 
But till then, Scott, thank you very much again, and uh, thank you very much to, uh, for listening. Have a great week. Ute be a gooner.